Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're you're listening listening to ghost host, host, Sophia Temporelli. And Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly Paranormal. Weekly, weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to ghost host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the ghost host Sophia on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. This is April, the psychic housewife in New Jersey, featured on the travel channels, The Holes of Files. I just wanted to wish my very dear friend, Sophia Temporelli, a very happy 11-year anniversary right here on Live Paranormal. Congratulations, Sophia. I love you and I'm so proud of you. 
That's right. It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporally on LiveParanormal.com. Congratulations, Sophia, on over 11 years of broadcasting here on LiveParanormal.com. And also now, too, GhostHunting.com has been added, so you can listen at both places, too, as well. Your call-in's welcome, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316. As well, feel free to jump into the LiveParanormal.com chat room. It only takes a second to get an avatar, and you're part of the LP family. Today, we welcome Intuitive Medium, paranormal researcher, and pet grieving author Rob Gutro to the program. Uh, Rob has been on the show promoting his books, Kindred Spirits, When a Spirit Befriends a Medium, and a Case Files of Inspired Ghost Tracking, which, too, features a lot of cases he investigated with IGT Paranormal. Today, Rob will be celebrating his latest release, Ghost of the Birdcage Theater, on a medium's vacation, which was awarded number one general Western U.S. travel guide and made Amazon's top 100 bestseller. Everyone visit robgutro.com. That's robgutro.com, petspirits.com, and on Facebook, Rob Gutro Author Medium, and Twitter at Rob Gutro Author. YouTube search Rob Gutro too as well, and Amazon Author search Rob Gutro. Upcoming, we have Weird New Jersey magazine writer Jim Paris. He'll be on next week, the 13th. Also, middle-aged and creeped-out podcast hosts Todd, Sean, and Nate will be on the program on the 20th. Psychic remote viewer and author Rick Wade will be returning to the show on uh, August 27th. Also televised Psychic Housewife of New Jersey. You heard her voice in the intro there. Intuitive April. She'll be on the program on uh, September 10th. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming broadcasts. So like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com Facebook fan page just to learn of the guesses we learn of in real time. And also, to check out the membership packages on the homepage of Live Paranormal and support the vendors here on Live Paranormal, too, as well. Uh, archive shows, if you miss anything, they're available as free MP4 iTunes downloads uh, immediately following the show, including this show, too, as well, immediately following the show. Let me bring on the ghost host here. Sophia, we had a little bit of Internet problems today, and uh, just before the show, we got them all worked out, so we're not opening any other pages, but you can certainly jump into the chat room. Congratulations, Sophia, on 11 years here. Thank you. I can't believe it's already been 11 years. Yeah, and we got the show just started just before, so, you know, all the uh, ghosts and everything have been cleared out of the uh, switchboard and everything, so, but, Sophia, you got all these pages, you got the Instagrams, all the different things, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram, at Sophia and Twitter, just at Sophia with one L, because my name's too long. Yeah, we cursed you with a really long name for the uh, logins and everything. Well, tell us about your guest, Sophia. Today, we welcome intuitive medium, paranormal researcher, and pet spirit grieving author, Rob Gutro. Rob will be celebrating his latest release, Ghosts of the Birdcage Theater, on a medium's vacation. Everyone visit robgutro.com, petspirits.com, Facebook, Rob Gutro Author Medium, Twitter at Rob Gutro Author, and YouTube search Rob Gutro. And you can also check out Amazon Author Search Rob Gutro. Let's welcome him into the show. And Rob, congratulations on all the awards for the book. Hi, thanks very much. Thanks thanks for having me back, too. It's uh, good to be back. Hey, yeah, Definitely. thank you so much um, for coming back on. And, again, congratulations on your book release. Yeah. Thank you, and happy anniversary. <laughs> That's a pretty uh, amazing thank accomplishment. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You know, start at 12, and here you are at 23. It's uh, 
yeah, it's been amazing. But, you know, I get to meet fantastic people like you. You're making me blush. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rob, to start out, can you tell the audience a little bit about what got you interested in the field of the paranormal? Was it an experience you had or have you just always had an interest? Um, sure. I'll, I'll try to give you an abbreviated version. I think we've talked about it before, but um, it, what interested me primarily was seeing my grandfather after he died. And then um, mm-hmm. many, many years later, decades later, my dog, uh, my dog was killed by a car and he, he reopened the, the uh, doorway for me to communicate with people and pets on the other side. And um, then I joined the paranormal investigation team and it's been uh pretty active since then. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing just how those experiences so young can change people into being investigators when they're adults. Um, I know you do have an ability. How did you initially go about developing that and kind of learning to understand it? Um, Well, I decided to challenge myself. Uh, I'm a scientist during the day, so I have to prove everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what I did is I went to historic mansions, um, and uh, I decided to see what I would get if anybody was trying to communicate with me, and then I would make a note of it, and then I would talk to the house historian. What happened was that I, re- I wound up confirming everybody that uh, that I was communicating with, so that was good enough for me. I mean, that's amazing. What kind of scientist are you during the day? I'm a meteorologist, uh, but don't blame me mm-hmm. for your weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I won't. I tend to do that with Dallas Rains down here in LA, just because I feel like he should he should know. He's very aggressive with the weather, so I feel like he just should know. <laughs> um, but I I love meteorologists because you tell me when it's going to rain, which is my favorite weather. Um, but as a meteorologist, I know that um, you know, people believe that different weather types such as rain or thunderstorms or anything similar to that kind of enhance or increase paranormal activity. What are your thoughts on that as a meteorologist and a paranormal investigator? Yeah, that's a great question. So, yes, the answer is yes. Um, I totally agree with that because uh, weather is really energy in the atmosphere, and uh, the paranormal is based Mm -hmm. on energy. So anything that can add to the energies of either earthbound ghosts such as the ones that are in uh, that I encountered in Tombstone, Arizona, or spirits who have crossed over. Um, anything, any energy that can add to those will help them communicate with us. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just really fascinating how that works. You know, especially on a place like the Queen Mary, when it's raining or something, you're surrounded by water, and it's just to see if that increases activity or something. I think is really interesting. Just you know the way spirits work and the way that they're able to manipulate the environment with those different variables. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Water energy is one of the key, um, the key energy sources. So it's heat, light, water, and electricity that are, are physical energies that, that earthbound ghosts and spirits who crossed over use to communicate with us. So Having the Queen Mary sit there in the ocean, or at the dock, rather, um, (laughs) certainly adds a lot of energy to it. Definitely. Um, You know, it's just one of those things where you don't see it every day, and then when you get to experience it, especially with 
rain or thunderstorms, it's completely different. And um, I actually haven't been on there in a thunderstorm, but I imagine that would be extremely loud. <laughs> so that may not help with the increase in activity because you wouldn't be able to hear anything. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to be on there on a thunderstorm either. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> So, I mean, you were talking a little bit just now about um, Tombstone, and I know you recently wrote a book on the Birdcage Theater. Can you tell everyone kind of what inspired you to create this book and what they can expect from reading it? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, back in 1993, I saw the movie Tombstone about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, mm -hmm. Wyatt's brothers, and I became enamored. I became fascinated. And something about it was eerily familiar to me. So the next year, 1994, I decided to take a trip out to uh, Tombstone and investigate it, see it myself, to see if it was really what they depicted in the movies. Well, it was. <laughs> um, and when I went out there, uh, Sophia, I decided I was going to see it in a fun mm -hmm. way. So I dressed up as Wyatt Earp, and I had a friend of mine dress up as Doc Holliday, and that's how we walked through the town. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it was kind of crazy, but it was fun. It was the mm -hmm. most memorable vacation ever. Um, but the the one quirky thing about Tombstone, as I found out when I first got there, is that um, I had apparently lived there before. Because when I got there, no sooner did we walk down we – we walked into the town, not more than like mm -hmm. three minutes into the town. Somebody thought we were – um, reenactors of the uh, OK Corral shootout, and they asked us where the courthouse was. Now, I had never been there, and this was back in the early 90s. You know, the Internet wasn't a big thing. We mm -hmm. didn't have cell phones, really. Um, I didn't see a map of the town. I didn't know how the town was laid out. But I was able to give the person exact directions to the Tombstone Courthouse. Wow. And my friend looked at me and he said, how do you know where that courthouse is? We've never been here. And he says, we've, <laughs> we've never seen a map of this town. And I said, I, I, I don't know. So when we followed my directions, there was the courthouse. And that's how I knew that I had lived there before. That's amazing. Do you think yeah, that um, you dressing up may have helped kind of increase that you know, connection to the town. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't. I don't know if it increased my connection, but it certainly was very fitting <laughs> that I was mm -hmm. uh, that I was dressed up as Wyatt Earp. Um, but I did feel I, I felt right at home, which was really weird. Um, so, you know, and this means this stands for everybody. So, if you're drawn to something in history, a place or a time in history. Uh, it's most likely that you lived there at that time in that place before. And that's what I think happened to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible how you kind of have those little callbacks to, you know, what potentially could have happened in a past life um, in situations like that, whether people are drawn to the sea or afraid of it or something that kind of gives you little hints into what, could have been prior to what you know now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, Tombstone wasn't really an active town for a long time because it was really founded in the late 1870s when uh, a silver miner named Ed Shefflin struck silver, a silver load. Um, and then he named the town Tombstone. 
that uh, Arthur Town was named Tombstone around his mind. Um, that town only operated really from like 1879 to 1889, and then the silver mm-hmm. mines flooded, and then the town shut down. The, all the all the profits were were dried up, ironically, because of a flood in the mines. <laughs> so everybody left except My- for about a hundred people. Yeah, I mean, Tombstone's an amazing town. My mom actually brought up a really great question. Why would you have been so familiar with the courthouse back then? <laughs> were you a lawman, or were you one of the people that were being chased down that had to go to the courthouse? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I actually did a past life regression, and um, mm-hmm. I had I, – I, it turned out I had a memory of being a minor. Um, and I had a, a hound dog and so forth. I kept seeing myself with a hound dog, which is why I'm drawn to dogs in this life, I think. Um, so uh, I just think I knew where it was because I lived in the town. <laughs> I don't think I was a bad guy. <laughs> well, you know, you never know with class lives. I think that's, that's the crazy thing. But you uh, you ended up as an actual person and not like a like a snake or something like some people think was past life. So I believe right. you. Right. <laughs> um. So you also have written some other things too um, with animals, as you were saying, your connection with them. Can you tell the audience a little bit about those books as well and where they can find them? Oh, sure. Um, so one of the – I've written three series of books, and one <clears throat> one mm-hmm. are Ghosts on a Medium's Vacation, which includes the Birdcage Theater and Ghosts of England. The other one is Ghosts and Spirits. Spirits in the beginning, that's one of those. Um, and then the third series is Pets in the Afterlife. And in those series, I teach people how their pets communicate from the other side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, so I mean, I, I think – oh, go ahead. Um, so um, I, I, I know that uh, 67% of households in the U.S. have a pet, so that tends to be one of the most popular topics that I deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just what I was going to say. I mean, people's connection to their pets is so amazing. My My pug died two years ago, I think, and, you know, we still miss her. She was really just – she was amazing. She was incredibly rude. She was a very rude dog. Um, she was like, I like to say like Regina George in a small pug body. Um, but it just worked for her, you know, it just worked for her personality as a pug. And it's just like, you know, people have connections to their animals that are lifelong. And no matter if they're with you currently or have passed on, that doesn't change. And so it's great to, you know, that you have books to help people with the process and, you know, help them remember the connection and help them connect again. Yeah. So, so that's exactly what the books do. They teach you all the different ways that pets communicate from the other side. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about your pug passing. Um, but, you know, our, our dogs and cats come back and, and let us know that they're still very much around, whether it's in dreams or noises or some other way that I, I think we discussed those before, but um there's a whole host of ways that they can communicate. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, thank you. She was an amazing dog. I actually did see one of my other dogs after he passed away. Um, he had passed away probably like five days prior and my bedroom was being worked on. 
and I just had a couch put in my room. So I was walking down the hall and I saw his tail. He was looking into my room and his tail was wagging. And by the time he blinked, I blinked, he was gone. But it's just great to know, you know, they stick around. The pug, she she may not have. I wouldn't put it past her to have taken off. That would be very on brand for her. Yeah, they certainly maintain their own personalities. I mean, just like just like humans yeah. do. Um, and uh, and you know, there's actually a lot of that going on at the Birdcage Theater too. Is that the the ghosts that died there that I ran into, and there were eleven of them. Um, some of them would appear really quickly and then disappear, um, just like you were talking about. Yeah, it's it's just crazy how that works. I mean, you know if people are rude in life, they're going to be rude in death. If they are, you know, shy, then maybe the ghost isn't going to want to speak with you. It's just, you know, the different personalities of the world also really do carry on um, into the afterlife as well and affect, you know, how ghosts communicate with you. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, so when I wrote this book, I I wrote this book based on a, a visit, that I had back in 2019, I took the ghost tour. I returned to Tombstone. I mm-hmm. took the ghost tour of the birdcage. Um, and then that's where I encountered 11 ghosts with uh, with a friend of mine who had never had an encounter before, but he saw two of them. <laughs> so he, he walked out a believer. Um, when I went back this past year, uh, I did a book signing for three days there. Um, I ran into four, four of the same 11 plus two others um, that I had not encountered the first time. So you're right that, you know, if they don't want to talk to you like people, if they don't want to talk to you at a certain Mm -hmm. time, they're not going to talk to you. So I understand that you had a visit to the Birdcage Theater. Yeah, um, I did. I went, uh, gosh, I was maybe like 16, so. 2015 or 16 I was either 16 or 17 years old um I didn't get to do much investigating I honestly I don't do well in heat and it was extremely hot there so Mm -hmm. I I was stepping out constantly so I didn't get to do much investigating um because he and I we just don't get along I don't think I would have made it in the old west so I don't think I was ever in the old west town in a past life well, yeah. Well, it, it definitely it, it definitely was hot. It was, it was probably near 100 when I went in May. Um, mm. But uh, at least the birdcage is actually air conditioned now. Um, it's a, so it's a, so for the people that don't know what it is, it's it used to be a theater. It was built in December. Mm-hmm. It, well, it opened officially in December 1881, although it was open earlier than that. Um, and it it closed in 1889, and that that building not only was it a theater for live performances, but it was also um, a a site for ladies of the evening, if you will, um, because that was a profession back in the 1880s, and mm-hmm. uh, also it was, it was a gambling hall. So and you know of course a bar. So there were four things going on there all the time, and um, again for. For the folks that, that don't know, it was one of the most um, visited places in Tombstone. Everybody would go there because that's where the, the main shows would be. Um, but the other thing about it, too, is that the, it is the site of the longest uh, 
the world's longest poker game. Do you remember that? Do you remember hearing that? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it was it was just an amazing trip when we were there. Um, I'm I'm gonna be completely honest. We went there for an event, and that event was very chaotic, very very chaotic. So a lot of the history, um, we didn't actually really get to hear about. Um, because, well, to be completely transparent, the event founder was trying to she put together an event. And she had a bunch of guests down for the event, had nothing planned, and then tried to take the money from the event and leave town. So there was, yeah, yeah. So we didn't really get to hear much history because there was a lot of chaos going around (laughs) in the background of Tombstone. Yeah, the birdcage owner was gracious enough to let us all just go in there at the end of the night. Nobody had anywhere to go. But she, like, kind of. (laughs) She kind of ripped off the birdcage, too, the event founder. So um, when people were doing investigations, they were, like, trying to rent out the individual places um, on the side because the event was such a disaster. Wow. Well, in the, in the basement, um, that was the site mm-hmm. of the world – according to the, the Guinness Book of World Records, the world's longest poker game. And it went on 24 mm-hmm. hours a day, seven days a week. And it lasted eight years, five months, and three days. Oh, my God. And, and, and the, the way they were able to do that is that every time that somebody would be done with their game, somebody would be waiting to take their place. And um, what I understand is it, it cost – it actually cost – they had to pay $1,000 in 1880s money to part, uh, partake in that. And that's like $30,000 you know, today just to even get in the game. Um, that's crazy. So, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and so the basement when I went down there, it is full of energy. And I actually mm-hmm. ran into uh, I ran into two ghosts that were murdered, two men that were murdered for cheating at cards during during a, a poker game down there. Um, and uh, it, it was it would it, it's interesting because when when I run into a ghost, they usually share their pain of death. And mm-hmm. one of them was shot in the chest against the wall when you come down the basement. And, and that's exactly what I felt. So when I first came down the basement, I felt, it, it felt like a bullet went right through my chest. And, and I actually fell backward and hit the wall. Um, and I was gasping. And the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the ghost tour guide said, are you okay? Are you having a heart attack or something? And I said, no, there's, there's a male ghost here that was shot in the chest. And, um, and he's sharing his pain. And she confirmed that that was the exact spot that someone was shot in the chest after they cheated in a card game. So, I mean, that's definitely a really amazing experience to have happen, especially just with the history of the birdcage um, and everything there. Um, I'm glad you got to experience the town as it is. Um, as you can see, though, the, the people in Tombstone sometimes don't change um, over the decades. But, I mean, the history of that town is just so breaching with, you know, the deaths there, the gambling lasting eight years. I mean, all of that is just so incredible. 
Yeah, there, there's uh, so much history and so much, um, so much energy in there. Um, there were also a, quite a number of deaths. I, I believe that there were 26 people who were murdered in the birdcage. Um, and there are, yeah, 26 people were, were killed there. And there were over 140 bullet holes in the walls and in the ceiling. And there are, I think there are two in the barn. When you when you walk in the lobby, so you can actually see the bullet holes when you go in there, um, and that's why I think there's there's so many ghosts there. There's there's a lot mm-hmm. of raw emotional events that happen there between you know between the uh, the house of prostitution and and the gambling and people cheating and so forth and um, and the ghosts are not all bad either. I mean they're not they're not just the people that cheat at their cards. There are a couple of ladies of the evening that are still there that I ran into. Um, there's an actor that that still haunts the Birdcage Theater, um, and I captured a photograph of his face on the painting of a uh, that that hangs in the lobby of the building. So that's in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sketched out, I think I sketched out five other ghosts um, that I encountered, and those are in the book. I I love to sketch, by the way. <laughs> so. So people can see what I saw. Yeah. I mean, that's super helpful that you love doing that in general, but can also give people that insight as to what you're seeing. I do recall that part of, like, the two things I do recall from my time in Tombstone is I do remember the bullet hole and um, the part about the actor. So it's great, you know, that you were able to actually kind of see the actor and, you know, just experience the birdcage on the different level beyond the history and actually kind of take that step back in time and experience them as they were. Yeah, it's it, you know, it's very interesting being a medium because when you when you go to a place like the Birdgate, you're actually talking you're you're talking or communicating with the people that lived back then when it was in its heyday. Mm-hmm. Um and um there was um so there was there was another ghost that really gave me quite a start, but um I, I will I will tell you that the types of ghosts that I encountered were they were actors, they were <clears throat> uh, patrons who were drinking, they were gamblers, they were prostitutes, and they were minors because because of all the minors around. Um, so all of that, the, all of those kinds of people in there, there were always there's always trouble, you know, <laughs> especially when mm-hmm. there's alcohol flowing and so forth, and gambling. Um, so there was, it was just so much energy. Um, one of the interesting things is that residual energy is basically energy from emotional type of events. And when there's an emotional event, it gets soaked into the walls of the building. So mm-hmm. when we were on the ghost tour, um, we were sitting quietly backstage in the dark. That's, that was part of the ghost tour. We could... I could actually hear, and my friend could actually hear, people out in the front part of the stage, in the front of the curtain, gambling and laughing and talking. And there was nobody there. But it was the residual energy of, of that, uh, those gamblers that, that were there that was impressed upon the building walls. And our emotional energy was added to that so we could actually hear them. That's amazing. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool. Um, 
Yeah, you know, we I mean, experiences we... like that. Oh, go ahead. We um, we didn't see anything move in there, but you know, we mm-hmm. heard plenty of stuff. Um, I think that wasn't it Ghost Adventures that went there and um, they actually filmed a uh, an extension cord unraveling around a clock. I, I feel like that may have been Ghost Hunters, if I'm remembering hunters? that correctly. Okay. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not too sure. They probably both went there, so I'm not exactly sure which show that would have been on. Yeah. Well, regardless, um, you know, like like I said, that it depends on whatever ghost thinks they can talk to you or wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, they will. <laughs> so I. That's why, you know, the first time in 2019, I. I encountered 11 ghosts, and then um, in this year, in 2022, um, I encountered six. So the other five were just kind of staying out of sight. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like as a ghost, too, it has to be very kind of draining almost when you have so many people that want to communicate with you. I think sometimes, you know, ghosts just want a vacation from the living. Um, so it, it would be really hard to be in a situation like that, you know, where you do want to communicate, but some days you just want to kind of be on your own and just hang out with the other ghosts or by yourself. Yeah, I, I yeah, because we certainly maintain our personalities. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I will tell you that I, they do, the birdcage runs, I think two ghost tours a night, um, sometimes three, depending on if they have an overflow of people. Um, but it really depends on the group that goes in. Because when you think about it, um, as living people, if we walk into a, a room full of people, it, we're always drawn to somebody that we want to talk to. Same thing with the ghost. Mm-hmm. Conversely, we always avoid people that, we get a bad feeling about. And that's what ghosts mm-hmm. do too. Because, I mean, ghosts for people, ghosts for people are, you know, are cut. The night that I went on the ghost tour in 2022, there really were not a lot of active ghosts because the people in the, I found that the people on the tour were not as, um, they, they weren't as open. Um, they weren't as inviting to the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that makes a difference when you're going on an investigation. You really have to be open and, and communicative, and you have to be nice. I mean, you have to be civil to these these ghosts. You know, you wouldn't be you wouldn't want to be mean to somebody you can't see, right? Absolutely. I mean, especially because you don't know what the personality of that ghost is either. You know, if you're rude to a ghost, are they going to retaliate? It's I you wouldn't want to do it to a person because it's the same thing. Do you know we have to take a quick commercial break, though? Uh, we actually passed the halfway mark because, you know, hearing you talk is very fascinating, you know, just with your knowledge of the history. So um, we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more questions. 
Yeah, it's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. And Jules is in it. Uh, it's me, Jules33, is in the chat room, too, as well, uh, chatting away. So feel free to jump into the LiveParanormal.com chat room. It only takes a second to sign in, get yourself an avatar, and feel free to call into the show, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316. We'll be back with intuitive medium paranormal researcher and pet spirit-grieving author Rob Gutro. His book, too. It uh, reached the top 100 bestseller on Amazon, and it's a medium. It's a Ghost of the Birdcage Theater on a medium's vacation. Everyone, visit robgutro.com. That's robgutro.com, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to the Ghost Host with the Most, Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files. And you're listening to <laughs> Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself into your mix of, of voiceovers now. <laughs> I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. That's right. It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I'm trying to unmute everybody right now as I speak and bring Sophia. And, Rob, we got you back in the studio. While I'm unmuting there, uh, Rob, is there anything you feel or sense about Sophia, like maybe during the course of the show or anything you pick up from, you know, her four dogs? Um, well, the, uh, the, the pug certainly was, you know, most independent. Um, and mm. kind of uh, had a personality of, of her own. Um, the other, uh, the other dog. I actually need some time to to uh, to to visit with them, um, and I mm-hmm. haven't had that time. I just got your I just got your pictures like two minutes before we went on, so that, <laughs> I need a little time to uh, to communicate with them. It usually takes about a half an hour for me to communicate with with pets on the other side. Um, because I have to, um, I have to kind of get them to trust me and and get them to come in, and then they tell me their personalities, sometimes how they passed, and sometimes their favorite memories and things like that. So um, I can certainly do that after after the show. Well, oh, sure. Yeah, we right haven't had internet, so was, yeah. <laughs> I know it was last minute when I sent that over. So it was just yeah, didn't know if you sent something back on that, but certainly. 
Yeah, no, I, you know, I wish yeah. it was instantaneous, but it, but unfortunately it isn't. And um, and by the way, I just <laughs> I just had hand surgery, so it takes me a longer, a lot longer to type stuff up because <laughs> I have one hand. Ooh, sure, no, certainly. Well, I hope you feel better soon with your hand. Um, you're definitely right about the pug. Yeah. She's very independent. Um, very very obnoxious dog. She really was, but it it like I said, it worked for her. Um, so I keep hoping for independence. Um, yeah, the, the pictures my dad sent, though, um, they're all living, one of them, the orange dog, she's actually, uh, she's from Mexico, so she just has one of those unknown paths, because, you know, Mexican street dog, we got her a week after she arrived in America, <laughs> who knows, I don't know, but yeah, she's, uh, she's a wonderful dog. So, so, she's all better so now. The, uh, just to be, just to be clear, the, uh, you said the pug is the only one that passed then? Yeah, we've had two other dogs that passed, um, but they okay. were like a Labrador and German short hair pointer, and they passed probably like over 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. We're, um, so if those were in the pictures that you sent, then I can communicate with them. But so as a, as a medium, as a pet medium, I can only mm-hmm. communicate with pets that passed. So I can't communicate with living dogs. Um that would be an animal communicator. That's a different. Right. That's kind of a different thing. So, um, so I'm not sure which of the dogs in the, in the photographs you sent me were living and which ones had passed. Oh, those guys are all living. Yeah, that's just the one she has. But yeah, so oh, okay. that's interesting. Like, oh, so you don't have like an empathic thing on the living, but you certainly you pick up uh, what the the passed on dogs have or pets. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah, so animal, animal communicators can pick up on uh, what your living dogs are feeling and thinking and experiencing and, and even um, on their path, on their life before they met you. So, but I can certainly uh, visit with your actor yeah. after the show. <laughs> yeah, she, she's really great. Uh, you would definitely like her. I'm always curious how she would feel about the new dog because honestly, they're very different, but also very similar in a lot of ways. Um, when you actually communicate with these animals and also people that passed on, how do you do words kind of pop in your head? Do you see them as like actual people? How do you gather impressions from deceased animals and those things? So it works uh, much of the same way with, with both people and, and animals. Um, they, will share, mm-hmm. um, they will share an image of what they look like. Um, when it comes to ghosts, they will share an image of what they look like. Um, when it comes to pets, I ask for a picture, so I already know what they look like. That's how I'm able to tune into them. Um, I, and I need that picture to tune into pets because there are so many animals on the other side mm-hmm. that I need to make sure I have the right one. You know, I, I'm sure there are 20,000 dogs named Spot on the other side. <laughs> yeah. So it's important to have the right one. Um, but they also share other things. I mean, because animals learn words, so they can convey words. Mm-hmm. Um, they can convey descriptions of people on the other side, um, uh, just like just like ghosts can also convey things about the times, uh, what happened during the time in which they lived, uh, maybe how they died, um, what they did for a profession. So it's. A 
lot of things are either spoken to me in my head or mm-hmm. they show me visual images. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just amazing, you know, just the way that ghosts and even animal spirits communicate with people in different ways. Um, I always think it's fascinating just how people are able to just gather things differently. For me, sometimes it's like if I know something about a ghost, I'm not psychic, I would say I'm more of a sensitive. It's like I'm knowing something about myself. It's like something I've just always known. Um, And Mm -hmm. if I see a ghost, it's either like a shadow person that I see just like a normal person, but a shadow, so obviously not a normal person, or like a Polaroid picture in my head. But, you know, there's so many psychics that see every ghost like a regular person or ones that just see images as a way to communicate. And uh, it's just always fascinating how it differs for each person and the way they're able to communicate with the deceased. Yeah, well, pets have the ability to communicate because they have the intelligence of a three to five-year-old child. So so that that helps. Yeah. My Mexican street dog definitely relays that one all the time. <laughs> she definitely acts like a three to four, five-year-old child constantly. Um, so it's uh, it's just amazing, you know, how much pets can retain. I, I mean, you know, I see all these TikTok videos of dogs that are able to communicate by pressing buttons. And I think a lot of humans don't understand how much that our pets actually understand from us and how much they actually do get um, you know, I don't always believe when they're like, oh, it's a dog. They don't understand what they're doing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they, they know do. what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Exactly. Don't let them fool you. It's like a it's like a very smart old person because my grandma's 86. And a lot of people will be like, oh, she's old. It's like, yeah, but if you met her, she shouldn't get away with anything. <laughs> you know, there's just, there's just some things where it's like, I don't really believe you. And that's how I feel about dogs. Cause it's like, they, they know more than they let on. I think half the time. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Yep. So also on the topic of dogs and you know, how you're able to, com- you know, communicate with um, deceased dogs, do you this also work for you with like lizards or cats or is it predominantly just dogs? Oh no, it's any real, it's really any domesticated animal. Um, Mm -hmm. Choose not to try and communicate with snakes, lizards, and spiders because they make me uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and if, and if I'm uncomfortable, I'm not going to get a good reading. So, but um, I, as a pet medium, I've actually talked to rats and gerbils and rabbits and ferrets mm-hmm. and all kinds of other domesticated pets. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I had a chameleon named Felix. I don't. I wouldn't want to communicate with him either. Honestly, he just hated everyone, and I. I was cool with that. You know, it worked for him, and he doesn't <laughs> like anyone. That's that's fine. You're pretty to look at and you like me giving you crickets. So it's mutually beneficial, but I don't think you'd want to communicate with literally anyone. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just like we were saying about the, you know, spirits of people. It's just the personalities of each one. And, you know, with that, I'm sure you've had a lot of experiences. What was the most fascinating in all your time as a paranormal researcher with animals or humans that was your most compelling or, you know, your scariest that you ever experienced? 
Uh, well, I can tell you one of the scariest ones I experienced, and that that actually was in the Birdcage Theater. Um, mm-hmm. When when I walked uh, when I walked from the lobby into the back area where the theater area is, suddenly I suddenly I felt a bullet go into my throat and out the back of my neck. Um, oh wow! And it turned out that there was a man who was shot in the neck, shot through the neck, I should say. Um, he was another person that cheated uh, cards. Um, and what happened was, is that I, again, I, I, the wall there, and um, I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak for about three minutes. And mm-hmm. so the, uh, <clears throat> the tour guide came over to me, and, and she said, are you okay? And I couldn't give her an answer because I couldn't speak. I actually felt blood um, rushing up to my throat, and it felt like it was pouring out of my throat. So he was sharing. The ghost was sharing all of this experience with me. Um, even my friend came over to me, and he said, what's going on? And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I kind of nodded to him, and he said, oh, you're feeling the pain of a ghost, aren't you? And I said, yeah. Ooh. Um, oh. so, so I was able to find his name. He actually told me – well, he told me the name Jerome. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what I did find out too is that from the people that work there, that there was a man who was indeed shot in the throat in that very location where I experienced it. Um, wow. Yeah, that was really scary because I actually couldn't speak mm-hmm. to tell anybody what happened. Um, and and Sophia, the next day, the next day I came back mm-hmm. to the birdcage during the day. Because I befriended the the gentleman uh, that owns it, that manages it, uh, Billy Billy Humley and his wife, they've been friends of mine since the '90s. So they they took us back in and they took us in the back again, and I wasn't even thinking when I walked in the back again. Sure enough, Jerome shared that again with me, and I fell against the wall, and I felt the bullet go right through my throat, and this time. I actually tasted the coppery taste of blood in my mouth, and I couldn't speak for, again, another two or three minutes. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was really horrifying. It was really horrifying to actually taste the blood in my mouth. Um, but that's that's what ghosts do. They share their pain of death sometimes just to prove their identity. Um so I know better next time I go there and visit. I'm not going to walk in that one little area. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I feel like we've had enough conversations that this doesn't need to be set a certain time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't need to deal with that anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I wouldn't want to either. So in my book, I actually sketched out what Jerome <clears throat> looked like and being shot in the throat. It's, uh, it's Chapter 7 of um, Ghosts of the Birdcage Theater. Um, so that was, that was my absolute scariest, um, encounter, I think with, with a ghost and it happened there. Um, I've, I've had some sad things too, you know, in terms of pets. Um, there was one pet that conveyed to me that he was a puppy and I, his name was Clancy. I think that he was in my Pets in the Afterlife 2 book. Um, he conveyed to me that the reason he passed away at home at night as a puppy is because he was eating plants. 
and those plants were poisonous. Um, and <clears throat> when I wrote <clears throat> when I wrote back to the to Clancy's mother on email, mm-hmm. after telling <clears throat> I explained that, and she confirmed that they were in fact plants in her backyard that Clancy liked to eat. And when she looked them up on the ASPCA website, they were in fact poisonous. So very sad. Yeah, <clears throat> but but it was also uh, you know, it was also a lesson for other pet parents that, you know, if you have dogs or cats or whatever, be sure to check that ASPCA website and do not plant plant plants that um, are poisonous or toxic to dogs and cats. Or seasonal points, that is, and yeah. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I mean, it's it's hard, especially because, you know, dogs, like you said, they have the mental state of, like, a three- to five-year-old. So they just want to get into everything. And it's so important to just watch them and make sure that they're safe. Um, but I do know we're very close to the end of the show. So are there any websites, virtual appearances, book announcements, upcoming interviews, or anything you would like to mention? Uh, oh, gosh. Well, people can find me on uh, robgutrow.com or petspirits.com. Um, I also do pet readings. <clears throat> I charge a small fee. I do them on the weekends. I'm booked like seven months in advance, though. Um, all of my books are on amazon.com. Just type in G-U-T-R-O. Um, and uh, I have nine books, three series, Um Ghosts on, on a Beam's Vacation, the one we were talking about today, is a, is a fun series because you get to learn some history of the place as well as meet the ghosts that I encounter. And that's it. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on today, Rob. It's been great talking to you as always, and you're always welcome back on the show in the future. Thank you so very much. It's, it's always a, a pleasure to join you, and um, I, I love talking about the paranormal and um, – especially with someone like you who has such experiences in it. So so thanks again for having me on. It's been fun. Well, well thanks, thank Robbie. Again, Jules, too, in the chat room. on your book release. Yeah, Jules wasn't able to load any images in the chat room, so she's going to be reaching out to you on your website, too, as well, from the show. But thanks, Rob. Okay, sounds great. Thanks. Have a thanks, great day. Bye. Well, fa- thanks, you, you too. too. Thanks. Fantastic show today, Sophia. Definitely. Rob was such a great guest. I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely will not be possible without all of you, and I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. That's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Thanks to uh, Jules in the chat room. And, uh, yeah, the book is Ghosts of the Birdcage Theater on a Medium's Vacation, uh, awarded number one general Western U.S. travel guide and made Amazon's top 100 bestseller list. Everyone visit robgutro.com. That's robgutro.com. Petspirits.com. Facebook, Rob Getro Author Medium. Twitter, at Rob Getro Author. And YouTube search, Rob Getro. The uh, Amazon search, too, Rob Getro uh, for his titles, all of his titles, each of them. And a great show today. So also we have Weird New Jersey magazine writer Jim Paris will be on the program next weekend, the 13th. Also, oh, no, that's uh, August 13th. So, yeah, we have a best of coming up, too, as well. Middle-aged and creeped out podcast hosts Todd, Sean, and Nate will be on the program August 20th. Psychic remote viewer and author Rick Wade will be on the program on uh, August 27th. Also, televised psychic housewife of New Jersey is seen on the Halzer Files. 
Intuitive April will be on the program September 10th. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. So like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on uh, Facebook fan page to learn of the guests real time. And we'll see everybody next week. Hi, this is Debbie and Sion Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.